The essential seven is solving marketing problems and getting getting the uh, the right answer at the right time. I welcome anybody who has a marketing kind of an assignment to, to, to use this as a framework. Hey, hey, we're back. Another episode of More Than Marketing with uh, me. I'm your host, Arsha Mirsha. Uh, today, joined by the infamous Paul Field. Infamous indeed. Infamous indeed. Uh, real excited to have Paul here because Paul... Um, First off, he was in the Marines, so we're going to thank you for your service. Thank you. First and foremost. Thank you for the thank you. Of course. Um, a lot of respect there. And also a lot of respect. This is Matt, Madman. Madman. He was literally hanging out with Don Draper, uh, Don Draper, the character, uh, on Madison Avenue. What was it? 285, Matt? 285, indeed. 285 Madison Avenue in the late 60s, yeah. 70s. So... That's we literally have a madman of the agency world uh, with us today on the podcast. Real excited to have you. Thanks for thank being you. Here. It's thrilled to be here. It's, it's really cool. And um, Paul's also been uh, consulting uh, us here at Web Mechanics, and he's got a lot of good stuff to add. A lot of stuff we can learn from, you know, your years of experience. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for that as well. And uh, today, what do we? Uh, first of all, I love if you can kind of. Give a little bit more about your background. Okay. Yeah, to start off. Well, Sham mentioned that I was in the Marines. I, I uh, found myself a year out of college commanding 50 Marines in Vietnam. And when that was over, I found myself at Young and Rubicam, 285 Madison Avenue, being yelled at by the most junior copywriters and art directors. <laughs> and and I have times of change. Quite a transition. But anyway, I spent... Spent a career in advertising, working for a couple of the best agencies in America and New York. And then I ended up in Baltimore as a senior vice president of a large agency for 17 years. And after that, I started consulting with agencies and with their clients and and branding. I have uh, re- refocused the brands of some uh, uh, 23 companies. Mm in the last few years and and work with wow. 20 or 30 agencies. So I, I I have some experience in marketing. Seen a thing or two. I've seen a thing or about two. About the marketing and advertising world, agency and, uh, but always agency side, right? You haven't been on a client well, side. Well, so. uh, uh, early on, after I started at Young and Rubicam, I thought I'd like to see what the client side was like. Uh-huh. So I went to work for Avon, which at the time okay. was at 30 Rock, and uh, I had some exciting experiences on the 43rd floor of 38 Brook. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so you had that, that, that end as well. And I decided I liked the agency side better. <laughs> what do you like about the agency? Well, I like the pace of it. I yeah. like working yeah, right next to and hands-on mm-hmm. with creative people. Um, I am creative enough that I can work with creative people and help them direct, monitor the creative process, right. but I'm not creative myself. And, and so I, I found it a good home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my understanding is, Paul, you know, you've, so you're on the account side of yep. the, of the agency. So a lot of relationship building, a lot of strategic thinking, understanding the, the client's business, their problem, what they're trying to achieve, and then kind of, um, helping put the strategy, which is the frame for which the creatives come and, you know, propose a solution. Right. That, that right. 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 And then, so in your time, you uh, 
in your time in agency world, you've created what you call the essential seven. Yes. Okay. And that's, we want to talk about the essential seven, Paul's uh, a framework. What would you call the essential seven? I'm calling it a framework for fill in the blank or. You well, can... a, a framework for approaching the, uh, the marketing assignment, the marketing need in an efficient way and making sure all of the steps are in place or in sequence. I'll tell you the story, if I may. Please. How, how I got to it. Yeah, that's definitely. I, as a young account uh, person at YNR, I would be in meetings with, with senior people leading the meeting, and I'd listen to the questions and answers from the clients. I thought, wow, that's, that's really terrific. Wow, that's smart. How did they know how to ask that question uh -huh. at that moment? Right, right. And nobody, nobody trained anybody in that. And in self-defense, I figured out a process for myself that uh, I've written articles about, and it's called the Essential Seven. Okay. Yeah. So, so in your, you know, young in your career, you were, you're like, whoa, what are these? How are these experienced people like asking the right question, at the right time, which would uncover, I, su I suppose, would uncover, you know, an answer or or a, or a strategy that yeah. would then move the assignment forward so right. to speak yeah and so the essential seven i have used and trained people in on the agency side but it but it is solving marketing problems and getting getting the uh, the right answer at the right time and uh, client side marketing teams use it uh, i i welcome anybody who has a marketing kind of an assignment to, to, uh, to use this as a framework yeah i love it so i want to i want to um reiterate that so you know paul here has been uh working in agencies uh you know that's where his experience has been but that doesn't mean this essential seven could work you know if you're an agency uh if you're working in an agency or if you're working in-house uh you know at a company then you can use this because it's still a marketing assignment right it doesn't matter if you're an agency or or in-house uh at a company you're it's a marketing assignment. You have a team that you need to um, align and move forward that's right. to accomplish a goal. So, so that's great. So now I want to jump into it because there's seven. Okay. There's seven pieces. We might as well get after it, huh? Well, the way I tell the story is there are seven steps, and I can't remember seven things. So it's divided into two parts. Brilliant. There's a tactical three and the strategic four. Nice. I like it. So, where do you start then? Do you start at well, the tactical I, three, or ta the, you start you with the tactical logistical three? three. The, the, the tactical or the logistical three. All right. So it starts with the kind of things that need to get squared away before you get into the guts of the assignment. Sure. So the first thing is, what are we doing? What's the task? What's the task? And the task could be, as uh, Sham and I were talking about earlier, could be as simple as. We've got the annual meeting coming up. We need a presentation for March 17th. Right. Or we need a TV spot on the air. Or fairly simple, straightforward things. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a step more strategic, like we need to generate more leads. Or we need to generate more walk-in traffic. Mm -hmm. um, what's Good. the best way to do that? Or it could be even more strategic, uh, um, our, our website seems to be out of date. Um, um, thinking we need to f focus our website. Is that a creative thing or a rebranding thing? 
what is it? Yeah, so rebranding. Whatever the task is, that's the first step, defining the task. And could the task also be something like, hey, uh, uh, our reputation, we need to change our reputation, our, the perceived uh, kind of, the perception of our brand. That's right. That could be a task also. Sure. So as big as that, or as little as, because uh, there's a lot of ways to approach that, or as little as, or as small as a task of like, hey, I just need to, I need a, you know, campaign on Google Ads for, right. for this particular keyword, because I know it's what people are typing. So that's the task. So what's the task? What is it that we have gathered together to right. tackle this project. Why are we in this room why together? Are we in this room? Why are we here? Yeah, why are we here? And right. then, then the second step is perhaps obviously timing. When do we need this? Yeah. Um, because I started in in uh, advertising, I'm very focused that the media mm -hmm. has as a deadline that if you miss it, you can be out millions of dollars mm -hmm. paying the media for the time you didn't use. So <laughs> right. you have to be clear what is the deadline? Yeah. When does this really have to be done? And as as Sham knows, the the an agency team, if you're using an agency, can do a lot of things quickly. And there are some things, however, that if you're going to do a whole major assignment, it requires a lot of time. Yeah. So and coordination. You, so you CMOs and marketing managers out there. You need to be clear on your deadline and is it doable in the whole frame that you're thinking about or do we need do we need to cut it in various ways? Yeah, well said. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. They have to be clear. We all have to be clear about our deadlines um, on, on the task at large, but then also break it down into each you know chunk, right? That's so right. that's project planning, um, project management, if, if you will. Uh, also in timing is... It's sometimes nice to know if there is a hard deadline or if it's kind of like a we would like it by That's type right. thing. You know, sometimes like you alluded to the conference. Okay, we have a conference coming up. So now we need these materials, these brochures, website, you know, whatever, interactive this or whatever. Because that conference is on a date. That conference is not going to move. That's right. So that's why that's that's that deadline. And many times if, if you've got that kind of a conference and one of the elements is a new website, we we all have experience where you can show a couple of frames from the design of the website. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to really be finished. It doesn't have to be developed conference. and working, right? Thank but but there can be experiences. Uh, one of the folks here came back from a client meeting yesterday, and this this client I won't name them wants a whole new rebranding, new website, new logo, and associated materials in a month. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to <laughs> Just, Just think it out loud here. Probably not going to happen. We will figure out how to get them what they absolutely need. By that time. By that time. Exactly. So number one, what's the task? What are we here to do? Right. Number two, when do we need to do it by? Right. What's the timing? You know, is funding running out, out or is there a conference or is it we need to generate more leads in general? Okay, got it. Right. What's the timing? And then, so now we know the task. We know the timing. What do we need to know next? Another, well, the, the next, third the third, the third uh, logistical, logistical element logical. <laughs> is budget, and this this is really important. And if you're dealing, if you're a CMO or marketing manager, and you're yeah. dealing with an agency, this always feels a little tricky on the client side. I think because they're afraid. The clients always say to agencies, "We don't have a budget yet." <laughs> well, they do have a budget, right. but I have always thought they're thinking. 
if I name the figure, the agency inevitably will work all the way to that figure. Right. Well, there's some there's some truth to that. There, there is. But but the more important part of it is there has to be an understanding of what the budget requirement is, how far this could really go as you're discussing the parameters of this. Agencies can do things small or big, but if there is a misunderstanding or no understanding of the budget, there is a high likelihood mistakes will be made, time will be wasted, creative morale will fall down, and this will all be detrimental to the ultimate client. So there needs to be an understanding of what the budget is. And listen, there will be a contract, there will be estimates provided by the agency, so you can give the agency the number and then watch carefully as the estimates and the estimates revisions come in for you to approve. Yeah. Thank you for that. I agree. It's always a, it's always a challenging discussion is, hey, what is the budget for this? Oh, we don't have a budget. We want you to tell us what the budget yeah. is. It's like, well, okay, we can do that. But we also want to know that if we come back and say, you know, hey, this task, if you really want to knock it out of the park and really accomplish this goal, if we come back with, you know, in the millions, is that going to, are you going to be receptive to that? Or do we need to stay in the hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands? Where, where do we need to be? Give us a ballpark, you know? Right. Uh, but similarly, I think also within the company, if you're marketing manager, CMO, whatever, VP, if you have a team, you know, they, they're going to need a budget too. I mean, if they're buying ads, right? Or if they are going to print the collateral, they need to know, you know, they need to know what the framework, they need to know the ballpark. They need right. to, you know, so it, it goes, it works in-house, it works in agency. We need to know what the budget is. And I think most of the time you know what the budget is. I mean, how, it's the exception to the rule that, uh, you know, the CEO or CFO is going to say, you have unlimited budget. Right. Get it done. I, I, like, I think once in a while, uh, some clients have said, <clears throat> we don't know what this is going to cost. If you'll give us yeah. a, a budget, we'll come in and we'll present it to management. Right. And that's certainly believable yeah. and understandable. And there can be the appropriate discussion with them and the agency. And here is the budget. We could do this. And here's a budget we could do this, and yeah. you guys decide what you need. And I think that options is good there, right? Yeah. In sometimes it's smart to actually ask for options and say, "Hey, look, like you know, if you come over, I don't know, just picking up. If you go over a hundred thousand, it's never going to happen. But don't just go up to a hundred thousand. Give show me what the hundred thousand is, but also show me what a fifty thousand would look like, and tell me." Will I accomplish the task? Will I accomplish the goal if I choose the fifty thousand? Because one thing we like to do is is say, okay, client comes to us and says, uh, you know, here's the task, here's the timing, um, and here's the budget, and we'll just tell them like it's like we we think it's impossible to accomplish that, so we're not the right people for the job. And if someone else tells you it is possible, we would ask you to raise an eyebrow with that and tell, right. have them show you. So good point. Yeah, I mean. It's happened, right? Yes. Yeah. It's also happened the other way too, where it's wow, you have a lot of money for something that is pretty should be pretty easy. You know, so it goes right. both ways. Logistical three, timing. I'm sorry. Task first. What is task? Why are we here? Two is timing. When does it need when do we need it and why? And number three, budget. Pretty well, good. What are pretty we working good. with? I have some I have some <laughs> I'm cheating. Slash we just talked about it, so mm -hmm. I, I should remember it. <laughs> Should we move on? 
Okay. Strategic force. So, so now, the strategic force. So now we're getting into it. Yes. So one of the considerations, at least for an agency side, and similarly on the client side, I call a company or insight, which is which is a, a reminder to me what's really going on, not marketing issues, what's mm. really going on that will affect this project. For example, does the CEO hate the color blue. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not waste time and money showing him anything with the color blue. Right. Or have we fired our staff, salespeople, and we're going to manufacturers reps, which is a whole different situation, right. and it deeply affects many of the things we might do. So what's really going on? Mm-hmm. So digging deeper into like the, the why the task is the task. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, for, so another example might be, uh, you know, we have a PR nightmare. For example, I don't know. We just had to let go. You know, E. coli was found in our food, and so now we have a PR nightmare. And now the task is to reverse that PR. So, what's really going on? What's the, what's the why behind? Am I am I accurate on this? This is your framework. I want to yeah. make sure I'm what, not. What What's going on that that affects this project? Brilliant. Great. Okay, so that's number one on the strategic okay. four. And then the second item, some of this was affected by by uh, Neil Borden in the Harvard Business School's famous marketing mix in 1964. Um, so, the, so product, what is it that we're marketing? What is it that we're selling? Mm-hmm. And why should they do it? Now, it's easy to say, like uh, Russell Reeves in 1961 came up with the unique selling proposition, the USP. What is the unique reason to buy this product? M&M's, they melt in your mouth, not in your hand. I said this yesterday and somebody said, it melted in my hand. (laughs) It also melts in my hand. Well, too bad. (laughs) Uh, So what's what's the reason? And and as we're thinking about it, I require folks to give me three supporting reasons why the USP is true. But it it can be very difficult when you have what's really a parody product and a parody brand in reality, to think of a meaningful USP. Mm-hmm. And when I was giving a lecture the other day, somebody asked me, how do you go about coming up with a unique USP yeah, unique in that situation? And here's the answer to that, an answer. Uh, in 1981, Jack, Jack Trout and Al Reese wrote a book called Positioning. I urge you to read it if you haven't because it makes the point we need to find the niche between our competitors Mm. and look for something unique that we can own Mm -hmm. in the middle. And may I take a second and give an example? Yes, of course, please. Uh, Some years ago, uh, the um, BWI airport folks asked us to put together a campaign. They had a problem. They were getting traffic from folks that lived in the Baltimore area taking flights and it wasn't growing Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and with people not coming to the airport they couldn't get more carriers in Mm -hmm. to attract more people and it was was a problem so we we as a team thought about it and we thought about it and we looked at the whole market we thought the problem might be bigger than what I just said Mm -hmm. so we looked at the whole region and uh, Reagan National Airport is 
not much fun to go through. <laughs> and Dulles, if you live on this side of D.C., is a long way to go to. Indeed. And when we did some some uh, testing at PWI, we discovered PWI really is very pleasant mm -hmm. and easy. So we came up with a solution. We positioned PWI, not as the Baltimore airport, since we'll get all those folks anyway, but as the easy-come, easy-go regional airport. Mm -hmm. And... And this went from a minor little account to a multi-million dollar advertising account. Mm -hmm. We did marketing in major feeder cities like Chicago and Atlanta. If you're coming to this region, take the easy come, easy go airport. Yes. Don't go through that crazy stuff. Yes. And it worked great. BWI became the, the uh, fastest growing airport in the United States as that? a result of this refocus. So by positioning it against the competition, we figured out a unique approach. That was the value. The value of, of uh, BWI is easy come, easy go. Right. You know, simple, no traffic. Right. And the line worked because it's true. Yeah, it is true. No, yeah. this is, I would completely agree knowing. I mean, that's where I've, I've refused to go out of Dulles right. and Reagan. You know, I just... I'll, I'll pay more. I'll literally pay, you know, 100 or 200 more just to fly out of uh, BWI. So, and let me so add, it looks true. Let me add one other thing while we're talking sure. about product. Uh, you, need to, you need to understand as the marketing side, the client side folks usually do, the whole value chain, how the, how the product moves from the manufacturer down to where it sells. There may be some interesting bumps along the way mm -hmm. that provide opportunities. Yeah, some, so knowing, some unique things along the way. That's right. Right. So knowing the value chain is important. Yeah, and, and you know, there's there are stories out there about um, how even if your product isn't different, if even if your value chain or your supply chain, let's call it in this case, is the same as your competitor, your competitor may not be talking about the um, about the supply chain. Uh, there was there was one story I forget from one book book, but it was like, hey, this fabric is the same as my competitor, but you know we get it from the same place in in the Middle East, right? It's a very nice fabric, but the competitor wasn't talking about how it was, you know, uh, how it was how the fabric was produced. So the the marketing campaign focused on that. Hey, this fabric, you know. They don't. They didn't come out and say it's the same as our competitor. They said it's produced uh, by the you know find the well-fed sheep's in whatever the 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 thing was the differentiator was. And while it was the same, it was just positioned. That's right. And that made all the difference. That made right. them grow in the competition. And, and this is a problem we find all the time, every day, when in reality, what your your marketing is exactly the same as the competition. One example I like to think about is Geico, yeah, who, yeah, who sees, the, sees the position, give us 15 minutes and save 15% or more in car insurance. I am sure that all other car insurance companies could make the same claim. Right. But Geico see, sees that position. They own it. They own it. They nail it. And they, they present it very well. That's right. And now, like, the other ones can't do, they can't, uh, they can't own it, 
so they can tiptoe around it. And they do. And they do. I saw a farmer's commercial last night. They, uh, We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. So they're going with the expertise angle as yeah. opposed to the save you money angle. So, so, uh, so product and value chain. What is the... USP, the unique selling uh, proposition that that we have. How are we positioning our product? That's the number two on the strategic four. And uh, could you take us to number three? Sure. The the uh, important, the important, uh, the vitally important uh, is a target market. Who is the target market? And um, and understanding the target market and what makes them tick is crucial to uh, all of us in marketing. Yeah. And I have a simple shorthand mm -hmm. that I develop as a, as a mental checklist when I'm writing up a creative brief or a strategic direction to make sure that I have identified the, the target market. And it's uh, my brand vision A, B, C, when you're thinking about who is your target market. And the A stands for what is the target market's attitude about this product or service, and, and what would they like? B, their behavior, their shopping behavior. Mm -hmm. So how do they go about shopping for this thing, and what do they do now? Maybe what would we like them to do if it is movable? Mm -hmm. C is characteristics. What do we know about them? Uh, demographics, buying decision, psychographics. What are the factors that we know about them, and uh, and how can we get at them? This, uh, I really like this ABC. I've told you this before, and here's why. When we uh, when we learn to do personas, it's it's it doesn't go as deep as attitude and behavior necessarily. It it typically will focus. The first thing you you, you learn in persona development is the characteristics, the C to your ABC. You know, the firmographics, demographics, is it male or female? What's their age? Where do they live? You know, those types of characteristics. Do they have a family or not? Um, the behaviors, I love that because, you know, we need to understand how they buy and how they want to buy, how they should buy, uh, so that we can insert ourselves in there properly. And then attitudes, I think that's the most important one because that's where you can... That's where you, your um, your value proposition comes into play. That's when you can um, uh, you know decide what kind of angle you're going to take. Is this, is this a fear? Is this a greed? Is this a you know? That's right. You know, so uh, you got to understand the attitude as well as the behavior, as well as the characteristics before you right. can can know and, what you know. To and, and and let me make another point uh, that you and I have talked about a couple of times before. It's, it's vital to understand if you're in a B2C or a B2B situation. Uh, I made a colossal mistake early in my career from which I've learned from. It's a long story, which I'll spare you now. But uh, I thought my client was essentially in a B2C situation. Mm -hmm. And we were doing trade ads to sell the product to the manufacturer who bought that particular product. And it, it wasn't working well enough. And we thought about it, and we figured it out in the nick of time. It wasn't, it wasn't a uh, push situation. We created a pull situation 
because we came to understand the whole chain yeah. in a B2B situation. Folks, there is usually, in a B2B situation, it's usually more complicated than a B2C situation, and you must understand the steps. In this particular case, there were manufacturers' reps, there were dealers who had choices of various uh, our product or the competitor's com com products. Com yeah, so you have to understand that. In this case, we created a pull campaign to get consumers to go into dealers and ask for that product, which made the manufacturer happy, which got him to buy our ingredient product. Right, because uh, the end consumer would come in uh, to the dealer and say, hey, I want this product, but it has to be made with this uh, That's right. you know, component. So we didn't really care if they, if they bought it, but in a pull situation, it made the, the manufacturer, manufacturer say we need thrilled. more viewer. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, which made your client thrilled. Paul, before we hit the last one, let me take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Okay, Paul, so we got three of the strategic four down. We do. We have uh, started out with what's the you know what's the company, but when when you say company, that's the why behind the task. Why are we doing this? Um, number two is the product the unique selling proposition about the product and the value chain, um, the, the positioning, the differentiator could go there, how are we positioning this thing? Um, and then number three was the target market, their attitude, the ABCs in the target market, their attitude, their behaviors, and the characteristics, demographic, demographic, and such. Um, now on to number four. Okay. Uh, wrapping it up, number four, it is really important. It's competition. And I have been surprised to find in my career that a lot of folks are not paying uh, much attention to their competition beyond lip service. Mm -hmm. And I have found that if I come into a client's office with information of what their primary competition or more distant competition is up to, more often than not, they're surprised, they're <laughs> thrilled, because they haven't been paying that close attention. Right. So pay attention to what your competition is up to. I want to make two other points. Bring it. The, the, um, the, the competition, understanding what the competition is up to, is critical from the positioning point yes. that I made earlier. You have to know what they're doing so you can figure out where the niche is that you can move forward. Yes. And the, and the third point on this is... I, I read just recently that when you're thinking about getting the message out, according to Forbes in 2017, there were between 4,000 and 10,000 messages, advertising messages a day, smashing into the head of the average consumer. Sure. 4,000 to 10,000. That's wild. Incredible. Wow. So when you're thinking about that, you have to think about what can we do as marketers, as agency folks, to break through that, mm -hmm. and I have, an, I have an answer for you. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about what you're up to, the communication that you send out into that maelstrom, think about it and judge it when your agency comes to you or your marketing team comes to you, and here is what we think we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And you look at it, 
and you say to yourself, it has to satisfy two C's, A, B, C. And the two C's are clear and compelling. Yeah. Is the message in the communication perfectly clear? 15%, say 15% or, more, yeah. 15% or more in car insurance. Is the message as clear as the Geico example? Right. And then is it presented in a compelling way? Is the communication creatively uh, attention getting enough right. that it breaks through the clutter of the four to 10,000 messages and the ultimate consumer will get it and pay attention? I think this is, this is critical. CNC, good yeah. way to think about it. What about, uh, I thought it was clear and concise, but compelling makes a lot more sense. Um, I think concise also, if you think about, if you want to add a third to your framework, you're more than welcome to. It's because, you know, 4,000 to 10,000, you know, messages a day, marketing or advertising messages a day. I mean, maybe you want to be concise to the point, compelling, um, I don't know, clear, concise and compelling. Yeah, that's a good thought. I mean, it doesn't doesn't necessarily work on every single medium, but especially in um, when you only have a limited amount of space, a TV ad, thirty seconds, fifteen seconds, display ad, it's only you know certain dimensions. So, you know, it's got to. I think by definition, it has to be concise. You can't. You just have, depending on your medium, you don't have more than so much room. You know, so I like this uh, framework a lot. It's it's. It's obvious that um, you know a lot of experience went into crafting it. The reason I like it the most is I think you know this about web mechanics. We have an academy that we you know we we teach the community um, digital marketing and advertising. And one of the things that we don't have like um, like a, a course for is you know how to create strategy or how to uh, kind of frame the the problem or the account in such a way that all the stakeholders or all the um, different departments will know what the task is or, or what we're trying to accomplish. And that's what this Essential 7 really does. This is a an alignment tool to essentially create a brief. Yes. And then that brief can be used across... All the different departments, like for us, we have marketing, we have creative, we have tech, you know, technical services departments. They all should have eyes on this brief or on the answers to this essential seven. If you're within a company, same thing. Boy, I'm glad to hear you say that. That's exactly right. That's the point to this. That's the whole point. Same thing. If you're the marketing manager inside of a company, you use this framework you can now share that with your team. You can share it with your boss, and, and most of, you can share it with the CEO, right? Right. And say, hey, look, this is my understanding of of the task, the timing, the budget. This is my understanding of the actual business problem of why we're doing this task. My understanding of our unique selling proposition. I, I, maybe this is my understanding of it, or here's what I came up with after looking at the competition, and you know knowing that we want to be in a blue ocean or knowing that it makes sense to um, kind of juxtaposition or position ourselves different than the competition so we don't just sound the same, right? It's not compelling if it's the same as what your competition is saying, right? right. right. So um, 
So I really, really, really like this as a as a as a kind of process or tool to align all the stakeholders. Um, and and, and well, thank you. I, I found it very useful. I've used it for some years and taught it for some years. And as I said at the beginning, I created this when I walked in by myself into client directional meetings to know what to do. But as time went on, I found it exactly as, as Sham said, helpful in writing a creative brief, critical in writing a creative brief, right. useful in writing advertising or marketing plans, useful for uh, many things for understanding our process and as a checklist to make sure we've covered our basis. So, Paul, would you be so kind as to allow me to offer this to the listenership? I'd be glad to. This is what a good man serves his country, and then comes and creates frameworks and shares it there you, for free. There you go. I, I, I'm glad to have you do that. How how can people get a hold of it? I'm going to put a link in the uh, in the you know description here, or I think what we can do is how about this? Uh, if you're listening, then go and Google Web Mechanics Essential Seven. You can. Type, type out seven or put the number seven. Web Mechanics Essential Seven um, or Paul Field. You can put some Paul Field in there too. Paul Field, Web Mechanics Essential Seven. You Google that, will be the number one result. And uh, there will Great. be download link there. Or otherwise, if you're uh, on YouTube, it'll be in the description. Uh, wherever else this is, if there's a description or wherever, that's, that's where we'll put it. Sounds great. And this has been a lot of fun talking about it. My, it's my pleasure. Maybe uh, you have a lot more to to, to, to give, to, to talk about. you got a lot of cool perspectives, I know, because we've been talking for the last several weeks. Um, so maybe we have you come back on and we do something else. One of the things that might be interesting to talk about up to you some future time is talking to uh, marketing leaders about knowing when and how to refocus their brand. Yeah. That sounds great. That'll be the next episode. How about that? Okay. Cool. Thank you so much for your time in Essential 7. You're a good man. My pleasure. Thank you kindly. Thank you. All y'all out there, hopefully this was helpful. Um, we talked about it. Maybe you were listening and uh, writing it down. Maybe you're driving. You can't. Check out the description for a link to download the Essential 7 from Paul Field himself. Um, thank you. Subscribe, like, share this with whomever you think would be uh, uh, enjoy this content. And we'll see you next time.